0: with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 63. Hallelujah. Good to be back in Belleville. I know I taught Wednesday night, but I feel like I've been gone a week. Had uh, a couple of days, uh, we took the family and the grandchildren. Oh, yes, kids, men, you're dismissed, youth. Hallelujah. Thank you for reminding me with the rustle and the bustle. The wind blowing through the trees. Hallelujah! The last time. My grandkids will be here with me today from the UK. They'll be leaving this Friday. I'll be leaving out of town, going to Europe as well for the first time in two and a half years. I'll be gone two weeks. Be back September the 11th for the preaching here. September 11th, by the help of God. mean, I'll be back the 10th, in fact, September 10th. But uh, Brother Hobson will be preaching next Sunday. Looking forward to it. Uh, at least later on online. My wife will be here, and uh, she'll hold down the fort. Brother Mike Poole will be in charge. My assistant, thank the Lord. What capable, capable man that he is. And we have such great pastoral staff. Brother Jay Kyle and Sister Melissa Frost and Brother Brian back. We deeply appreciate all that they do. God is using them mightily. God is raising others in our midst that God is preparing for the ministry of the word. Amen. So the last couple of days, we had the chance to go to Silver Dollar City. In fact, on Friday, we went, took the kids. What a marvelous time. Somebody called Branson a Pentecostal Mecca. And I can see why. I see Pentecostals all over the place down oh, there. Awesome. And uh, it's just amazing. And there's one guy down there that wore a T-shirt. Now, this is, this is crazy. I guess he was advertising some, some gas station and some place, and he said, and the the statement on it said, eat here and get gas. I mean, did they really know what they were advertising? Man, i tell you what, it honestly, well, you know, it reminds me of that old church bloopers, you know, I, I, I got a record of this, you know. It reminds me of the one that uh, the church will have a, a bean supper Sunday night and music will follow. That's, that's real. I mean, I, that's, that's no joke. That was a real blooper in a church bulletin. And I can go on and on. But I, we had a good time, to say to say the least. Amen. Really had a good time. And uh, I'll tell you what. I didn't know how old I was until I started carrying those grandkids. Whew, man. But they had such a, such a great time. and I had a great time. I enjoyed myself tremendously. Psalm 63. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. O oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land. Where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee. In the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Hmm. I want to address this morning. uh, The second one it says. Where thy loving kindness is better than life. That's my lesson time my preaching title today, Better Than Life. Jesus is better than life. Being in the presence of God is better than human existence. Life in the body. Life in the flesh. We have a good time in the flesh. Enjoy this life and the world that God created, but there's something better. David tasted it. David saw it. And so have we. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Better than life. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence in this place. We're here to lift up your name and to glorify you. Not because we're perfect, but because you are. And we worship you, O Lord God. We will praise you with all our being. And while we yet have breath, we will praise you. And now I pray, Lord, that your spirit will move into this place in a greater way than ever before, that you would touch our minds, our hearts, that you would open our understanding. Help us to apply it to our lives today and be edified thereby, in Jesus' name. Let the church say, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you for standing so long. Thank you for that great worship and music, Sister Andrea. And praise to God and thanks to all the praise team. Amen. Uh, this psalm written by David, obviously, and he's, uh, he was on the run. He was in the wilderness of Judah. It's interesting, you know, Judah has a lot of fertile land, but uh, there are a lot of areas that is, is really a wilderness country. Nothing much grows there. And it's, I suppose it's that way all around the world. In every country you travel to, there are areas that aren't as fertile as others. Uh, but thanks be to God that heaven's not that way. When you get there, it's going to be all fertile. It's going to be all good. There's, no, there's not going to be any desert places. There's not going to be a place that is without God or without His presence being felt or being manifest. Hallelujah. And So here David is in, in a desert and dry place. Uh, uh, commentators believe it was that during the time when he was on the run from Saul. Uh, David was now already anointed to be the next king over Israel, but as you know, God turned away from Saul for rejecting God and his word and his command to go wipe out the Amalekites. And on top of that, he sacrificed, evening sacrifice uh, in the place of Samuel, and uh, that was the final straw. And uh, God turned away from him, and from that day forward, Saul's trajectory was downward, a downward spiraling slide. And uh, God had for him another man, David, who was just a young shepherd boy, uh, walked there watching the, the, the sheep of his father's pasture, and, uh, and God had him anointed to be the next king over Israel. God called him a man after his own heart. And uh, it was now David who was for a while in Saul's uh, 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 court uh, singing and playing his music. And, and uh, then, of course, he, he defeated uh, Goliath the giant. And uh, he had a great deal of uh, notoriety. And Saul, as we all know, was very jealous and envious of him. The Spirit of God departing from him. You know, when, when God leaves you, it, it, it leaves you in a miserable condition. It, it, it leaves you in a depressed state. It leaves you in a, a condition of despair. And that's what the, the condition that Saul had found himself in. And in his despair and his envy and his jealousy, he persecuted David to the point that David had to run for his life. And, and there were several uh, of his uh, cohorts that went with him. Uh, we find in, uh, in 1 Samuel 22 that, that later on his brothers and, and his family members and, and all those who were in debt, who were discontent, those who were in despair, and all followed after him. And there were about 400 people that followed David. Uh, while he was on the run. And then it turned into 600 men. And this 600 people of, uh, of those who were in debt and discontent and in despair. These were the people who, who formed the core of David's future army. Let me just say this word of encouragement for you today. If you're in debt. If you're discontented. If you're in despair. God wants you for his army. Yeah. You're a candidate. You're the perfect person. That God wants to use in his kingdom. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. And so David, for this time, it was allotted to him to go uh, on the run. And he uh, spent time in, in the, uh, the arid wilderness of Judah. And he says, notice, thou God, thou art my God. It's Elohim he uses. Elohim, you are my help. Despite of all the gods, the false gods around me, despite of all the things that God looked to for help, you are my one and only El, my self-sustaining, all-powerful, almighty God. You are my God. And he said, early will I seek thee, early, hallelujah, early in in, in the morning. You know, first impressions are powerful impressions. Whatever you think about first thing in the morning pretty well sets the tone for the rest of the day. What your thoughts are dwelling on, what, you're, what you put before your mind in the beginning of the day will last with you for the rest of the day. You eat a good meal in the morning, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but when I have a good meal of biscuits and gravy or, or, or eggs and bacon, something heavy, it, it's with me all the day long. I feel it. I taste it. Hallelujah. It's a powerful, amen. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. But the same thing in the spiritual sense. What you focus on, what you first taste, that is with you all the day long. And David, in his despair, even out in the wilderness, said, you know, God, what I want more than anything else is you. I want your presence. I want that first thing in the morning, that taste of you. I want that glory. I want that power. I want that peace. And more than that, I want to feel your love. That I'm so familiar with. Hallelujah. How many know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Early in the morning will I seek thee. He said, my soul thirsteth for thee. Not about you, but the first thing, of well, the first things I do in the morning is I drink water. I drink water during the night. I have a bottle of water by my bed. The first thing I do in the morning is I am thirsty. Hallelujah. And then I drink a glass of orange juice. uh, And sometimes I drink coffee. A lot of times I do after the fact. But I got to have water first. Uh, Amen. That's the first thing I'm thirsty for. And that water, you know, is a a strong symbolic representation of the Spirit of God. And no doubt living in the wilderness, the first thing David reached for in the morning was for water. Hallelujah. Give me some water to drink. And no doubt that he's drinking. He's reminded of the presence of God and the Spirit of God that is living water to our soul hallelujah Jesus said it this way if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink hallelujah for he that believeth on me as the Scriptures has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water and John says this speak he of the spirit that they which believe on him should receive amen so let me ask you this if you're a believer in Jesus Christ have you received the spirit yet are you believing on him as the scripture have said. Are you filled with the Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance? It is that Spirit that God provided that would fill your longing for the thirst. Amen. Hallelujah. That thirst of your soul. Hallelujah. You know a lot of people are in touch with their desires but they don't pay attention to the desire of their soul. Too often times we we, we, we try to fill ourselves with things that we really uh, don't need, with things that we think would fulfill our desires. Uh, it's a desire of our soul, but, but we reach for other things to try to fill it. Uh, amen. You know, a lot of times uh, when, when you're thirsty, people eat food instead of drink. It's crazy. But I found myself to fall in that same habit. Amen. Many times when you're hungry, you're not really hungry. If you just take a glass of water and drink, uh, that would satisfy you a whole lot better than if you'd eat something sweet or a donut or a hamburger or something. Yes, amen. Donuts too, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Cupcakes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. More often than not, when you're, when you're hungry, you're really thirsty. Yeah. But you're not really distinguishing between the two, not discriminating in your desires of what your body really needs. A lot of times, we do the same thing with our soul and with our flesh. A lot of times, our body, our soul is longing for that living water. And we try to satisfy it with something else. And that's not what, what it's called for. David recognized this differentiation, by the way. He says, my soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. Amen. So he begins with the soul. And he's very much in touch with the soul. And he says, Lord, I am, my soul is thirsting after you. And notice, he, he's, he's not saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm longing after the rituals around the tabernacle. I'm not longing for the sacrifices. I'm not longing for watching the priest do his thing. But what I'm longing for is your presence. What I'm longing for is not just the ceremony and the pomp and all that and the glory and the beauty of the tabernacle. And what I'm longing for is the Shekinah glory. The spiritual manifestation in the morning and the evening sacrifice. And now I can't be around because I'm in the wilderness hiding. I can't go there. But I remember Remember what it's like and oh God if I could just get in your presence one more time if I could just feel your power and your glory if I can oh just be filled hallelujah with that longing hallelujah for my soul by your presence and your power amen hallelujah thank you Jesus and so David is crying out to God he says my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Hallelujah. Remember, he's out there in a dry and thirsty land. In the wilderness. A place that's less fruitful, less populated, less inhabited. A dry land, a place of thirst and loneliness. Hallelujah. Praise God, but he's reminded of the presence of God. Amen. Amen. In verse three, he says, "Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee." Hallelujah! You know it's 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 interesting uh, when he had an excuse to complain and moan and groan and complain. He chose instead to bless God. Yes. Hallelujah! He says, "My lips shall praise thee, because your loving kindness is better than life." Uh, my lips. Shall praise thee. It's this affection that David also was longing for. Hallelujah. But what David did was he compared God's loving kindness to life itself. And why was that? Because David was a man who knew God in times of trouble. And in the middle of his wilderness, David had the earnest and sincere desire to be in the presence of God more than any other place. Amen. I think that's something that you and I could learn from. Hallelujah. Too often when we get in trouble, too often when we get into a wilderness experience, too often when we feel isolated and we feel alone, when we feel rejected and we feel discouraged and in despair, when we're dead, when we're going through challenges in health or otherwise, or relationships, uh, we want to isolate ourselves. Uh, hallelujah. But that, that's not what David did. Uh, he wanted to get close to God. He wanted to get close to the one who he knew really loved him. Hallelujah. He wanted the love of God. He knew God, experienced him as a loving God. Not just one who's kind, but a God who is loving with kindness. Hallelujah. Loving kindness. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, this life is wearying. You can get tired of a lot of things of life. I've been there several times. uh, And if you haven't been there, just live a little bit longer. I'm not talking about of all the, the, the good things. I'm telling you that life has a way of wearing on you. It's a weight. It's, it, it, it works on you. It, it whittles you down. It, it pushes you. It, it drives you. It, 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 is, it is something that is wearying. People get tired of life. Look at why there are so many suicides. Even in young people, and more and more young people committing suicide than ever before. They just can't handle the pressure. They can't bear the weight. But the presence of God is still the answer. More than that, the loving presence of God. You know, we get weary and tired of life, but no one ever gets tired and weary of love. We may be tired of the things of life and the things that we have to do, but nobody gets tired of love. You don't get tired of your mother's love, your father's love, your wife's love, your husband's love. You don't get tired of your children's love, and we certainly don't get tired of the love of God. Aren't you glad he loves us? Oh, hallelujah. He loves you to the othermost. Hallelujah. There's nothing you can do to unlove you. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the kind of God we serve. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But, you know, David had the sense enough to run to God in his wilderness experience. In the time of his despair, in the time of his trial and trouble, in the time of his persecution and rejection, he didn't run away from God. He ran to God. It's interesting because in the natural sense, I watched my my grandkids. You know when they get hurt, I, I, there's only so much they, uh, I can do. I mean, they love grandma and grandpa. That's wonderful. But when they're hurt, they want mama. When they get hurt, they want mom, <clears throat> and they run to mom. And and there's something about it when when that mama holds that child, they, they feel that calm. They may still be crying, but uh, crying. But then they, they get the sniffles and and all of a sudden start feeling better, and everything's okay. Hallelujah. Nobody else can do that. In, in a similar sense, you know, we ought to be doing the same thing when it comes to the church. So the Bible calls the church the mother of us all. Right? And we're talking about not this local assembly per se. We're talking about the invisible spiritual body of Christ that we're born into. Amen. If you're in the, in the body of Christ, you have to be born into it. How do we get into this world? We're born into it. How? Through water and spirit. We're in a mother's womb. We're surrounded by water. The water breaks, Out come out of the the birth canal. We take our first breath, which is spirit, right? In Hebrew and Greek, the same word for air, wind, spirit, and breath. Hallelujah, all the four. And when you take your breath, you're born into this world. In the spiritual sense, we have the same thing. We're born again of the water and of the spirit. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot get into the kingdom. How do you get into the body of Christ? You're born into it. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins in water. Warm water at that. Hallelujah. We got it. Thank you, Jesus. And then be filled with the Spirit of Almighty God, and you're born into that invisible kingdom. Not our local church. You're born into his body. From by one spirit, or you're baptized into one body that's his body. And can I tell you, since he's the head of the church, the head is not ever separated from the body, you're part of him. There's no place you can go where you can be away from him. You're a part of him, and he's a part of you. Oh, hallelujah. But we need to have that same sense of gumption when we had when we were children, that we knew that when we were hurt, that we're gonna run to mama. And then it's going to be all right. And we have to have the same sense when you are running into trouble, when you're having problems at home, when you're having problems at work, when you're having problems in your life, you're having health issues, you're not supposed to be absenting yourself from the house of God. You're supposed to be coming to the mother, you're supposed to be coming to the church. When you feel comfort and deliverance from your pain, when you feel that oh, love. Because nobody ever gets tired of love. You can be tired of going to work each and every day. You can be tired of paying your bills. You get tired of, of the physical pain that we endure from, from various illnesses that hit us. Brother Chuck just had his surgery Friday. And, and in the process, you know, they're putting a new hip in, inside of him. And, and as they put a pin in his femur, his femur his femur cracked. But he's, he's had... You know, bone uh, weakness issues, uh, osteoporosis, and, and so they had to take wire and, and wire that bone together so that that, 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 uh, that, that new hip and that, that pin in it would work. But now it's going to take six weeks of recovery, six weeks of pain. He can't put more than 20 pounds of pressure on his leg. Imagine that. Imagine the pain and the therapy. Here we go. Six weeks of this. And many of you had similar issues. Uh, I'm just using one, one example. But the point is is that, that we go through, through these medical issues and it's wearying. You talk about people who have chemotherapy, and, and we've had folks in our, in our church family who have had cancer, and, and they had to put up with this chemo, and, and the weakness, and, and the week after week of therapy, and then and, and just, just feeling bad, and not being able to eat like you like to, nothing tastes good, and, and you're weary, and all you want to do is sleep, and that doesn't help you get up, and that doesn't make you feel better. Just nothing in this life seems in your flesh to make you feel better. But it's in those times more than ever before, we need to do what we knew how to do as children, is to run to mama, is to run to the church, to love to our loving God and Savior, who loves us beyond limit. And David knew that. David knew that. And so when he found himself alone, when he found himself in the desert, instead of moaning and groaning, he ran to God. He says, I don't care about the tabernacle or the ceremony. Oh, I do. He did. Because really, when he came to be king, one well, of the first things he did is call the tabernacle up. In Jerusalem says, hey, let's go get it. We haven't sought, to the, sought after the Lord for 20 years as long as it was under Saul. But now I'm king. There's a new sheriff in town. I want the tabernacle of God. Amen. I want the Ark of the Covenant to come and uh, to bring it up here. We need to inquire of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. He knew that, uh, that, that God was with him and uh, he had that joy, that joyful praise and that godly worship in his heart. Praise God, even in desperate situations. David, you know, no wonder he could pin Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through a valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Look, you got the Holy Ghost, you've been walking with God. We go through desperate situations at times. And particularly with our health. And you're getting older like me. Uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with Ecclesiastes 12. These are the evil days. <laughs> That's what the Bible calls it. That not mean, it doesn't talk about sin. It's talking about trouble sometimes. Evil, trouble. Yeah, you know, your, your eyes get dim and your hearing goes weak. And you wear hearing aids. And, you know, and, 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 you know things go wrong with your body. Why? Because we're deteriorating. Why did God make us that way? Well, it's part of the fallen nature. It wasn't like this before in Adam's time, but sin came into the world. And, you know, thank you, Eve. <laughs> thank you, Adam. And here we are, and our body deteriorates. It's the normal function of life, and it falls apart. And I think, you know, a lot of that is also part of God's loving kindness and his His care for us. Because if our bodies didn't deteriorate and we didn't have these evil days, we just get so comfortable living like this, we would never want to get rid of this body and get the new one. Hmm? I'm serious. I, I, you know... Thank God that you're feeling pain. Thank God that in your older age, you have more and more trouble. Why? It's to remind you that, look, you better think about your future. You better think about eternity. You might have worked hard to put a lot of money aside and and, and secure your retirement years if you've got any. Hallelujah. But if you do, remember that there's a longer time that you're going to spend in eternity with God or somewhere else if you didn't make proper preparation. And God is helping us in his grace and mercy to make us uncomfortable in our nest that we have created, our nest egg that we have created for ourselves. Oh, everything's going to be all right. I'm going to work hard and have this money set aside and I'll retire. Really? You know, we had a precious sister, you know, Sister Lydia Pracker. She worked all her life. and She looked forward to retirement. What a great lady she was. And she, she, she retired in December and January. Was it January or February? January. She was gone. She didn't even get to collect her first retirement check. She sat back here for years, faithful in this house of God for years. Many of you know her. See, you can plan all this out. You know, we have an old saying in my country, you know, means man proposes, but God disposes. You can make all the plans in the world and make it fit, make it seem right, amen, but do you not know what's God, what God's plan is? And you may have planned for this life, but what about the next one? You're going to spend more time there than you ever will in retirement. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with planning good for this. Nothing wrong with that at all. Please do. And don't depend on the government. Mm-hmm. I told you God wanted his people to be landowners in the Old Testament. That way, you know, all the land was allocated among the families. You couldn't sell it. Why? That way you'd never have any, uh, any homeless people. You never have an unemployment. The government, you, you don't care. What the, well, you do, but I mean, they didn't have to worry about the government supplying their needs because they had their land, they had their animals, they had their chickens and their geese in there and all the things they needed to survive. They could live on their own. What I'm saying is it's okay. And, I, and in my previous lesson, I think, you know, 10 commandments. In fact, this coming Wednesday is, you know, will be our last commandment, commandment number 10 that I'll be teaching on. But but we 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 talked about land. It's okay to own land, God, until God says, "Okay, now I want you to sell it. I I want you to have it." Jesus said, you know, uh, that if you follow Him, you know, because Peter said, "Lord, we have left all." He says, "Yeah, I know you left all, but you know, those that follow me, they're going to have houses, lands, mothers, brothers, sisters, all that a hundredfold in this life, with persecution, and in the world to come, eternal life." So it's okay to have land. But remember, everything belongs to God. And if God says, sell it, sell it. Don't be attached to it. You may own it, but don't let it own you. Don't be so tight-fisted. Amen. When God speaks, dispose of it. For man proposes, God disposes. And so, so it's all right to make plans. But make plans for the long term. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Hey, it's all right to have life insurance. Just have blessed assurance too. Make sure you've got Jesus. Can you say praise the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, and I know life can be cruel, but our God is a God of loving kindness. And he's everlasting. You got burdens, it'll, it'll... Push you down, but Jesus will pick you up. Our God, hallelujah, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know our situation has changed, but he doesn't. And David declared, in spite of what life has to offer him, in his allotted years and time, it doesn't compare to the loving kindness of God. And I think, really, we're challenged to come into that same mindset. And we can, we can do that just by seeking him and, and, and getting into his presence and ask God to open our eyes and our understanding. Let us see really where we are, what the true state of our of self is. And then make the necessary steps to make him our number one priority. Because outside of that, nothing else matters. Relationships don't matter. Listen, I love my wife dearly. We've been married 43 years. Hallelujah. And we're going to be 44 next year if the Lord tarries. But you know, my relationship and her relationship with me is not an eternal one. It ceases when her and I die. The Bible says so. Otherwise, widows and widowers couldn't remarry, Right? Jesus wants to ask the question, whose, whose wife will she be when there are seven brothers that had her because, man, 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 according to the Jewish law, so you don't know the power of God or you don't know the scriptures, right? Uh-uh. But the point is that it ceases down here and, and, and our relationship ceases in this life. I love her dearly and I know she loves me. And you may have loved ones down here, it's not eternal. And it's an important relationship, it's a holy relationship. It's a blessed relationship, and God wants that for all of us. But the most important relationship that you and I have is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's the only relationship that can take us to heaven. No other earthly relationship can. I don't care how much you love your kids and how much they love you. Your grandchildren, I love my grandchildren. I love my children. And I love my wife. And I love all of you. But can I tell you, it's not my relationship with you that can take you, to take me to heaven. can't. It's got to be God. Now, I can't mistreat you. <laughs> I can't mistreat my wife and my kids you know, to disqualify myself with that relationship. And I can't be unforgiving because if, if I'm not forgiving, then neither will my heavenly father, my primary source, forgive me of my sins. And I need forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I don't have a halo on my head. But David mm. said, so, Lord, more than anything, I need you. I need you. And he said, you know what, Lord? Your loving kindness is better in my present life situation and no matter what times I go through hard times, good times I will bless you but Psalm 34:1. I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth continually. Have we learned that lesson? Are you doing that? Are you, are, are you remembering to praise God in whatever situation you find yourself in? If you're in a wilderness, you need to praise God. If you're high on a mountaintop and you're seeing further in the future and you've gotten a glorious experience, wonderful. Are you praising God? Are you blessing His name? And are you encouraging others to come up there with you? David, in his next verse, I think he said, Come, let us magnify the Lord together. It's not enough just to enjoy it yourself. It's, it's, we got to get together. Hallelujah. Praise. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of some is. It's good to get together. We're here for each other. We're all going to heaven and you got to be intentional about it. Nobody's going to get there by accident. Hallelujah. We're not getting there because we're perfect. We're, we're here not because we're perfect, but we're here to be perfected. Amen. So... We want to bless him at all times, all times. Now, you know, I just, you know, somebody just, I think it was Brother, oh, Ballestero, I think, put a post on Facebook. Some of you may know him, great preacher, old, old-time preacher. He put a post on, he says, you know, if mountains were smooth and not rough, you couldn't climb it. Wow, how profound. Wasn't that good? Uh, that blessed me. Mountains are supposed to be rough and tough, and you know jagged, and you know give you cuts here and there, and it pulls on your muscle, every muscle of your of your body and your fiber. Hallelujah! You you got to climb it. Amen. But if it was all smooth, like this plexiglass or whatever this thing is, you know, how are you going to hang on to anything? Mountains are meant to be rough, and so God wants us to climb our mountains. And not complain, but give Him praise. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me, if you will. Hey, I think you know God never promised us a trouble-free life. You know mean? It's in this in this life. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We're gonna have tribulation never promised that we will avoid the wilderness areas of our life. Difficulties, adversities, troubles, always come away. Paul said and, uh, to one of the churches, I think when he, where he was stoned at Iconium in Lystra, he came back and encouraged them, said, so, you know, we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Now, we're born again into the kingdom, but we got to go deeper, and the only way to go deeper, look, there's, there's a lot of tribulations along the way. And persecution let's face it; It's not an easy life. It's a hard life. But it's even harder without God. It's harder without God. But the good news is that, that God is with us. Paul writes in Romans 5:3, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. So I would exhort the church today that when you find yourself in troublesome times, that we take note from David and draw near to him and to worship him and to realize that. His loving kindness is better than anything this life down here can can offer. His loving kindness is better than life. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, Paul writes, not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Understand when you get in his presence, you have everything you need. You have everything in Jesus. Our source and our supply is of him. Our joy, our peace, our salvation, our deliverance. Everything is of him. And the great thing is he's a loving God. I'm so glad he loved me. I'm so glad you love me. Would you bow your head for a moment? I wonder if there's anybody here today that's like me, just wants to have more of the presence of God than anything else. I want his love more than anything else. and he's ready to make the commitment that no matter what happens in my life from here on out I'm going to run to him I'm going to call on him I'm going to seek him with all my being I'm going to praise him oh I want to see his glorious presence and manifestations like I did before Now i make a commitment that in the good times I will praise his name and in the bad times wonder if there's anybody in here today that would want to come to this altar. Just pray and get into the presence of God and say, Lord, here I am. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your goodness. That's what David did, you know. If you look deeper into this scripture, he began to start counting the blessings. He started saying, God, thank you for being so good to me. Thank you for being so good to me. I know I'm not in a palace yet. I don't have the crown on my head. All I've got is a bunch of promises. But Lord, I need your presence more than anything else. I don't want just life in the human flesh. I want the creator of life. I want abundant life that comes through you, God. Oh, Lord, my God, my Savior.